At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zachariah's house and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will will bear. But why am I so favoured that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that what the Lord has said to her will be accomplished. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Saviour, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on all generations will call me blessed. For the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones that has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, even as he said to our fathers. Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. Praise God for his word. Thank you. Well, there is crash uh, that is operational this morning, so any children who want to use the crash facilities, please uh, feel free to do so, but otherwise we will stay behind, boys and girls. It's really good to have you here with us this morning as well. I'm a bit up here normally. I'd probably like to be down there as well. It's easy. Right. So let's pray. Father, we just thank you for uh, your word. Thank you that you're a gracious and wonderful God, an amazing Savior. We ask you to help us to understand this passage, enrich our hearts with your word, encourage us in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, friends, this morning I want to speak to you on this topic, Christmas joy from the womb. And I was just thinking about this. That's what we see here in the Gospel of Luke. All mums here. All mums. I'm sure when you heard and you got, you heard the news that you were pregnant, what did you do? Did you jump up and down? Did you go to your husband? Ah, guess what? I'm pregnant. Did you send a text message around? Did you email your friends? Did you Skype your... Well, I see some of the older ladies looking around and saying, we didn't have Skype, we didn't have text messages at the time, no emails. Well, I'm sure there must have been excitement. I'm sure you would have been excited because I think it's one of the most amazing things for, for, for a woman to be found with child. It must be such a wonderful privilege uh, if you if you have been privileged that way to be a mother, and I know there are other ladies here who are not mothers and mindful of that as well, but to all mums in particular, and for those who, by God's grace, are looking forward to be mums, I mean that's an exciting time as well. Well, we have today this morning where Dr. Luke has compiled wonderful things for us just in these two chapters. Luke has compiled all of these things that he has put together in order to give us an account of what Jesus began to do and to teach. And Luke tells us in the preface 
that his purpose is to provide an accurate, well-ordered account of the basic Christian message to enable his reader to know the certainty of the things he has learned. And Luke gives us expressions of joy. We've seen joy this morning through the baptism in Stella. He gives us, Luke gives us expressions of joy which often accompany the wonderful news of the Messiah Jesus. And only in this gospel it includes the magnificent songs of joy that accompanied the birth of Jesus. We have Mary's song. We have Zechariah's song. We have the angels coming and singing. Imagine that. The best choir ever. Tonight we will have a choir sing. We'll have some young people get up there and sing. I have offered my services to the choir, but they rejected my voice, so I'm quite humble about that. But no choir will be able to compare to this great choir, the voices from heaven. And then we have Simeon's song as well. And what we see in these songs, dear friends, if you study the Gospel of Luke, chapters 1 and 2, and I want to encourage you to do that this Christmas time. I know it's only two days more and it's Christmas Day, but... Just look at it and see it and read it and, ah, boy, oh boy, I was looking through. You know, sometimes as preachers, you wonder, what am I going to say every Christmas time? <laughs> right? Every Christmas, what am I going to say to the congregation? And I was looking at these passages, like, wow, I sat yesterday in my office and I wrote ten sermon titles that I've just looked from this passage. If I'm going to be here for the next ten years, I'll preach all those ten <laughs> Who knows? But there is so much, so much stuff here that is so exciting and so amazing that it will move your hearts. See how thankful we are to God for giving us his word that spells out the amazing story of the birth of his son. And these songs reflect in, are reflected in the gospel of Luke. And so this morning we're going to focus our thoughts particularly on one verse. And I want to give some surrounding context here to this verse as well. For behold, then the sound of your greeting came to my ears. The baby in my womb leaped for joy. Leaped for joy. That's what we're going to look at this morning. As we look at Luke chapter 1, verse 44, let's place this in its immediate context. I'm going to give you some broader uh, context here in this passage as well. See, the angel Gabriel had visited Mary with a message from God himself. And God sent the angel to an obscure town in Nazareth. And I mentioned that a couple of weeks ago. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee. God sent the angel. He did not just arrive on earth. He was sent by God with a mission and a message. And it is quite possible, friends, it is quite possible for us that because we are so familiar with the Christmas story that we can read about the visit of the angel and miss the wonder of this moment in the history of the world. Let us not miss the heaven-to-earth connection. God is concerned about what happens on earth. Is that... I think that's very clear. right? He doesn't detach himself from the affairs of this world. God is intimately involved. Is he not? He's involved in our lives. We have this heaven-to-earth connection. We can come to God any time because he came to us. And he has not detached himself from the world he has created. And the angel Gabriel was sent by God to visit Mary, the teenager, with the most significant message ever. 
And Gabriel is one of, one of only two angels mentioned by name in the Bible. His name means mighty one of God or God is mighty. And the angel Gabriel is mentioned four times in the Bible and each time bearing a momentous message. He's mentioned twice in the book of Daniel and he appears twice in the gospel of Luke when he visits Zechariah and Mary. And he announced to Zechariah, I'd like you to look in your Bibles, Don't, uh, if you have your Bibles, Keep them open to Luke chapter 1. If you have it on your iPhone, so other phones, look at Luke chapter 1. Because we see some interesting things taking place here in Luke chapter 1. See the angel announced to Zechariah something. In the days, in Luke chapter 1, 5, and 7, 5 to 7. In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah. And he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron. And her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. But they had no child. They had no child because Elizabeth was barren and both were advanced in years. So no child. And as a priest, he was one day in the temple. He was doing his work. And guess what? In verse 8. Now while he was serving as priest before God, when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the whole multitude of people were praying outside at the hour of incense. And then in the temple, something took place. The angel Gabriel appeared to him. And this is what we see in Luke chapter 1, 11 to 13. And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him. And fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name... What? John. <laughs> right? You shall call his name John. And how did Zechariah respond to Gabriel? Well, and Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. And the angel answered him, I am Gabriel, I stand in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you and bring to you this good news. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which, were, which will be fulfilled in their time. Imagine that. All the people are standing there. The incense is being burnt. This is the worship that's going on. And when Zechariah comes out, He can't speak. I mean, imagine that. Imagine any preacher standing up here, right? And he preaches, and then suddenly he comes out and can't speak anymore. I, I wonder what, how the people would have reacted. Now, Zechariah, what's happened to you, man? Have you lost your voice? I can't speak. Because God has put a silence on him. So he was an old man, his wife was barren, and how could they have a son? But God made this possible. In chapter 1 verse 24, after these, these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived, and for five months she kept herself hidden, saying, Thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among people. Now the baby was named John, and John means God is gracious. And that's one of the commentators. We have a few Johns here. There you go. God is gracious. Right? And this is John the Baptist, 
who would be the preparer, who would be the forerunner for the coming of Jesus. And the angel does not stop there with Gabriel. He visits a teenager in some obscure town in Nazareth. And Gabriel visited Mary and he told Mary that she will give birth to a son. And we looked at this at length a couple of weeks ago, so I won't go through all of that this morning. And Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I'm a virgin? How can this happen? The angel said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. Luke chapter 134. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And therefore the child to be born will be called Holy the Son of God. Isn't that amazing? I mean, we just read the text there and say, wow, okay, we've heard it so many times. Does it have an impact? <laughs> amazing work of God. Overshadowing and bringing this con- con- uh, conceiving, uh, for Mary to conceive a child. And how did Mary respond? We saw this last week. She said this, I am the Lord's servant. Mary answered, may your word to me be fulfilled and then the angel left her. The Lord's servant. We see a stability, spiritual security and sensitivity. She was not shallow. She was reflective. She was meditative. She was willing to place her reputation on the line because after all our reputation is very important. Yes. We guard and value our reputation. Mary was willing to put that on the line. Mary could have said to Gabriel, thanks very much. I'm not interested. No. Instead, she puts herself there. She submitted to the Lord. She was obedient to the Lord. And she exercised faith. I am the Lord's servant. And Mary's baby will be called Jesus. This name Jesus because in Matthew it says he will save his people from their sins. Mary will be the virgin who gives birth to a son. Jesus. Emmanuel. God with us. And Mary will be the fulfillment of prophecy. I was thinking about that when I was writing this text. And I received some of the emails that comes through our prayer chain. I was, I was deeply in, in prayer yesterday and thinking about these things and people and their lives and the challenges. I was, what a wonderful thing. We have a Savior who's come down from heaven. God with us. In our battles, in our challenges, in our tears, in our sadness. He stands with us. Isn't that tremendous? The baby who changes lives done that in our lives. And then the angel also gave Mary another bit of interesting information. If you look in your Bibles, did you notice it? (laughs) Did you notice chapter 1 verse 36? What do we read there? And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her, who who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. See, Elizabeth was barren. And the angel makes a powerful statement here about God. For nothing will be impossible with God. Nothing. You see, with man, yes. But with God, nothing will be impossible. Our God is the God of possibilities. We see the impossible. God sees the possible. We see things from a different angle. God sees things from a bigger perspective. We look at things from our human eyes. God sees things from his powerful place. Right? Now, I recognize that God works through situations and our human minds and everything else. But I also put a tremendous and implicit faith in the God of possibilities. Do you believe that? 
Do you believe that? You see? And, and Mary is given here a theological lesson. She didn't have to go to the PTC to sit for four years to get a, a Bachelor of Theology degree. She has learned it straight from heaven. I mean, <laughs> what, what better way to learn your theology from heaven itself, isn't it? Than from your theological lecturers. God bless them. I'm not saying anything about that. You see, she has learned a lesson there. See, we are frail, we are fragile human beings. Mary has just got a theological lesson given to her. Gabriel is saying to her, this is not my work, this is God's work. Gabriel was sent from heaven to, by God and he knows something of the majesty of God. He knows something of the awe of God. He knows something of the power of God. And no wonder he says, nothing will be impossible with God. And that's what's, that's what's playing out here. That's what's being played out in this massive scene that's going on here. A barren woman is given, is able to give birth, is carrying a baby. A virgin who's never been married, never had sex with a man, is called and is carrying a baby. Impossibilities have become realities. And this is being played in the, in the open fields. And Luke, the doctor, the theologian, as we saw, has recorded this for us so that our hearts will be encouraged this morning. So that we will not just have a theology in our heads, but our hearts will be moved to know that we believe in the God of possibilities. See, that's what we see here, isn't it? See, Mary was troubled. She was exercising, she needed to exercise faith. She was anxious. Mary said to the angel, how will this be? I'm a virgin. And the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And even though Zechariah and Elizabeth are old, and in fact Elizabeth is barren, God will open up the womb. What exciting news for a young teenage pregnant Mary to hear that a barren relative is now pregnant. And so what we have in Luke chapter 1, we meet two amazing women. Miss Mary and you have well, Mrs. Elizabeth. <laughs> that Mary, Mary, who's not being married, she's betrothed to be married, giving birth. We have a young teenager, and we meet two women. One is young and vibrant, exuberant, a teenager, 13, 14, maybe 14 years of age, full of life, energy, emotions going all over the place. Well, one is an older woman. Stable, being there, barren, and God's done something. See that? Two women. We encounter two expectant mothers, one young, the other very old. Both are miraculous pregnancies. We encounter two babies' friends, both in the wombs. One is baby John, and the other is baby Jesus. Two babies, two women, two pregnancies, both miraculous, two babies. One is going to be the forerunner, one is the son of God. And what does Mary do with this bit of information that Gabriel gave to her about Elizabeth being pregnant? We encounter these two responses, Mary and Elizabeth. Notice verse 39, that Mary in her excitement makes a visit. Mary had already conceived and the baby that she's carrying now is about three or four, maybe five days old. She's pregnant. Mary's response was to immediately visit her aged relative 
who has Gabriel had informed. She rushed on her journey. Approximately, I've done some reading on this, maybe 120, 130 kilometers journey to the countryside of Judea. Did she go by herself? There is nothing in the passage to say that others accompanied her. It would have been very hot. We, we experienced some hot days, right, last week. Did you love the heat? Come on. Nice. It's nice to be warm, right? <laughs> no, okay. Right? Imagine that. Imagine Mary, pregnant, and she's going in the heat. Right? It, it's hot. There were no air-conditioned cars. She didn't come back home to evaporative cooling in her house. She's walking. She's, she's, she's tired. She's going on this journey, maybe four days long. Did she tell her parents about the journey that she was going to make? I don't know. We don't have the information. But she goes and she visits Elizabeth. And having made the journey, Mary enters the house. And see what she says. In those days, Mary arose, verse 39, went with haste into the hill country, to town in Judah, and she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. Mary went unannounced. See, today when we visit people here in Australia, we don't kind of turn up at people's doors, do we? Uh, the, the culture doesn't perhaps. <laughs> Whereas when I was growing up in Sri Lanka, I just go down my neighbor's place anytime. I go and have a meal with them. I'll have a cup of tea with them. I don't go and say, oh, by the way, I'm coming to your house today. Uh, is that okay? No, we just rock up. Right? If you are any other cultures here, that's what we do, right? The same in Holland. I think people just, just go, uh, go away, go, go and meet their neighbors. Yeah, we don't even know who our neighbors are. Do you know all your neighbors? So no, you see them come in, in their cars, they press the button, the remote control thing goes up, they go in, into the house, next moment is the car out, they're gone. <laughs> Mary is there, she goes unannounced. And see what happens. See what happens, friends. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. So her first sleep. Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and she exclaimed with a loud cry. Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? What a dramatic moment. The baby John leaped. Why? Because here in the womb of his mother, John the Baptist, his ministry was beginning three months before he was born. Three months. Now, you see, John began to fulfill his calling while he was still in the womb. Not yet born, already prophesies. Elizabeth had felt John move before in her womb. But this time it was different. Mary receives a prophetic confirmation. Luke the historian and theologian records for us Elizabeth's prophetic verification. Filled with the Holy Spirit, Elizabeth spoke out with a loud voice. She exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. Elizabeth could not contain her excitement and her enthusiasm. Mary was going to bear the Christ child. She pronounced a blessing on Mary. You are most blessed, Mary. And Elizabeth's son, John, would be great. But Mary's child, Jesus, is the long-awaited promised Messiah. And as a righteous woman, Elizabeth was willing to acknowledge that Mary's calling and privilege was greater than hers. She didn't say, oh, my son is going to be better than your son. What? You know, that's, oh, look at my child. Yeah, it's better than yours. He's done this. It all goes on. No. She's recognizing. 
Mary, you're carrying a child that I'm not privileged to do so. What an example, eh? What an example of humility. Blessed is the fruit of your womb. And then we find this most remarkable acknowledgement by Elizabeth. I don't want us to miss it, please. Please. It says this. Why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? In humility, the mother of my Lord, the child within Mary's womb was truly the Lord. And he was Elizabeth's Lord. And he was Mary's Lord. And he was already John's Lord. Did you see that this morning? And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Verse 45. Note something more, friends, in this passage. How did John, six months old in the mother's womb, prepare for Christmas? How did he prepare for Christmas? Are you ready for Christmas Day? You've done your shopping? Are you going to Chadston? <laughs> Take the bus there, right? If you find a car park, it will be a real challenge. Well, you know what, friends? For once, I'm a relieved man. I have been out there. I have bought what I needed to buy. Ran away from the shops. It's all done. It's done. Normally, I run on the 24th. It's not anymore. Anyway, how did John prepare for Christmas? He said, for behold... When the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb, come on, left for, can we say it again, joy, that's what it is, left for joy, you see, this fetus is six months old and recognizes the baby in the womb of Mary, and this is why friends, we value Human embryos. This is not a place to speak about abortion and all that. It's not the place here. No commentators hit it very hard, dear. You see, we recognize human embryos at the point of conception. They are not some mere tissue to be discarded. This is life in the womb at the point of conception. This is six months old and Mary's baby is about five days old. And John is six months old in the womb. He recognizes baby Jesus, four or five days old in Mary's womb and John leaps for joy. How could this happen? John is filled with the Holy Spirit. From his mother's womb he leaps for joy. What we are seeing here is amazing. Because the baby Mary was carrying was the Lord. And when Mary and Elizabeth met, things took place. The promises of God, the fulfillment of prophecy, all became real. And the moment John encountered Jesus in the womb of Mary, while John himself is in his mother's womb, six months, he leaps and he worships. He worships Jesus. See, he worships Jesus as Lord by the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, this morning we heard Stella's testimony. What a joy it is for her. What a joy it is for us. You see, the coming of Christ is a thing that should make us leap for joy. <laughs> Have you lost the joy of your salvation? Have you lost the joy of what it means to follow Christ? Have you lost the joy of what it means to be empowered by the Holy Spirit? To experience the joy that is unspeakable in the midst of tears, in the midst of sadness. You know that. We as a congregation are going through a challenge. We've got two funerals. We've got people who are sick. It hurts our hearts. It brings sadness. Yes, it does. 
And I was looking at this text, my dear friends, and reiterated to me the joy of Christmas. Because our Savior is with us. And John is leaping for joy. How about you this morning, right? How about you? You see, later in John chapter 3, this is quite a remarkable text there again. The one, this is John the Baptist, right? Look at John 3. The one who was at the bride, who has the bride, is the bridegroom. The friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is now complete. This is John the Baptist now. He must increase, but I must decrease. I want to ask you this morning, have you experienced the joy of Christ in your life? Have you? I see a few heads nodding. <laughs> it's a life so broken, and it is at times. There are times that the tears just keep coming down. It's like a tap comes and it pours, but there is joy in the Christian life. Have you missed that joy this morning? You see, are you living an empty life? We heard the testimony of Stella, who said, I have meaning and purpose in living, right? Is, they are the words that you used, Stella, this morning. Meaning and purpose. You see, when you know Jesus, he gives you a joy. That's why we sing joy to, what's the carol? Come on. Joy to the world. The Savior has come. So, friends, as we conclude, in our passage this morning, we find ourselves meeting two amazing women. We encounter two responses. We've encountered two babies. But this, one is John, the forerunner, the other is Messiah. Both of these babies will grow up and both will die. Yes, they will, we all die, but this is different here. They will die cruel deaths. John will be beheaded because he loves Jesus. And Jesus, as a young man, will go to the cross, though he never sinned. He will have nails driven through his hands and through his feet. He will have stripes across his back from flogging. He will be crucified and he will die and he will cry. It is finished. And Jesus will be raised to life. Why? Because he died for our sin. He is our substitute. The Holy God sent his son to take your place and mine because we could never pay it ourselves. And when you turn to Jesus and you trust him, you will be forgiven. You see, you will experience joy. You have two ways to live. Life without Jesus or life with Jesus? Which way have you chosen? By God's Spirit. Are you in God's way? Or are you living it your way? Think about it. Amen.